There are two dilemmas that rattle the human skull. How do you hold on to someone who won't stay? And how do you get rid of someone who won't go? From Pod 617 Productions, it's Shine On, a presentation of Berkman, Botker, Newman, and Shine. Now here's your host, attorney Evan Shine. Episode 8 of the Shine On Podcast, I'm Evan Shine. As always, David Yaz, the executive producer of the Shine On Podcast, is with us. David, how are you? Great. Well, not too bad. You know, for 2021, you always... Pause before you answer that question, I guess. And David, I got to tell you, after this episode, that good is going to be great because we have a fantastic (laughs) and fun show today. And we're going to talk about dating during the pandemic and how to find love in 2021. And who better to do that with than the best in the business, the great New York City matchmaker, founder of the Modern Love Club, Amy Van Doren. She has revolutionized the matchmaking industry and the approach to dating in New York City since she came on the matchmaking scene, taking on the dating challenges faced by so many New Yorkers. Amy Van Doren is the featured guest this week on episode eight of the Shine On podcast. And during the interview with Amy, we are going to take a few of the dating questions that have come into the Shine On podcast inbox, which is shineonpodcast at gmail.com. And we are going to get answers to these questions and more from Amy during the interview, which is coming up on the other side of the docket. All right, counselor, if you're ready, it's time for the docket. Let's do it. And now, let's see what's on the docket. All right, Evan, got some celebrity news this week. Ben Affleck, my boy from Boston, Ben Affleck, shares how his divorce from Jennifer Garner has helped him become a better actor. And Ben also said that what he wants to say publicly and privately to Jennifer Garner is thank you. Thank you for being thoughtful, considerate, responsible, and a great mom and person. And uh, he said he never thought his battle with addiction would result in a divorce. It did, of course. So what he's saying is, I guess, the whole ordeal, the whole journey with Jennifer Garner has made him a better actor, which I guess is nice. I don't know. Any thoughts on this, Evan? Dave, I'll tell you what, you know, look, you mentioned Ben Affleck becoming a better actor. And look, it still sticks in my head, you know, the movie Goodwill Hunting, you know, going mm-hmm. back to, to Boston, you know, a little old school, yeah. you know, movie film right there for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, look, Affleck's candid about his past experiences and relationships and marriage. And he opens up about how these experiences, the good and the tough ones, have allowed him to learn, to grow and to be better in his role as an actor. And for so many people, Affleck included, it's about perspective. It's about insight and divorce and relationships, both the ones that work and the ones that don't work. What do they teach us? They teach us something. And it's so hard for people. And I tell my own clients as a divorce attorney, when you're going through the process, it's hard to see. It's hard to appreciate. And sometimes it takes years for people to realize just to appreciate how the tough times and your experiences can make you more focused, maybe better at your career, maybe better in future relationships, a better friend, a better parent, and a better overall person because you have lived through some dark times, some hard times, and some challenging times. 
And I tell my own clients, divorce can make you stronger and you can thrive in post-divorce life. And, you know, what is that quote that Michael Jordan said? He's been called upon to take the final shot in the game and failed 26 times or something like that. And he says, I failed and failed again. And that's why I'm so good or whatever it is. But, you know, I think it gives people texture. I've talked before. I've been through a divorce. Absolutely learned a ton. If, you know, if you don't face adversity during your life, then what happens when adversity comes up? You know, you're not prepped for it. And you also, I mean, I think most people, depending upon the length of the divorce, they are, in a matter of speaking, different people at the end of the at the end of the marriage, and so they've learned about themselves along the way. It's still obviously a sad thing, and obviously, you know, Affleck didn't enjoy this time, you know, battling addiction, getting divorced, but now he's like a wicked better person for it now, Evan, as, <laughs> as he would as as he would say in his, his Goodwill Hunting persona. There we go. I got to say, I love the uh, love the accent right there. But Dave, you mentioned something which I want to touch on. You know, divorce—it's such a raw, emotional time. And when you're in the beginning stages of divorce, it's hard to see, you know, beyond the next day, beyond the next minute. Right. And it takes that time to process, that time to heal. And you mentioned Michael Jordan. Look, when Jordan was missing shots, right? I'm sure it was hard. I'm mm. sure it was tough. I'm sure it was emotional because he wanted to be better. But you learn from your mistakes. You learn from your experiences. And divorce, going through adversity, it can teach you so much. And you can become a stronger person, a better person on the other side of it. For sure. And you also, I think, in time, learn to appreciate things about your your ex-partner that you didn't in the moment, you know, time, you know, time heals all wounds, right? Time has a way of softening things. It's why we say to ourselves, don't make rash decisions in the moment and don't send an email when you're angry. And when you're going through a divorce, you, you might not even be thinking straight years later, you know, it, it all comes around. And um, so good for Ben. No, true. And Dave, I, I tell clients, you, you mentioned emails, don't send an email during a divorce that you wouldn't want the judge to read. Mm, Take sure. a step back, process it. Send me as the divorce attorney a draft, as opposed to just firing off an email to your soon-to-be ex. And the other thing is, you mentioned about learning what you may look for in someone else after a relationship. But people learn more about themselves, having gone through that experience. People learn about things they want out of their own life, the direction that they want to lead, and whether that's a career, whether that's you know taking life in a different direction you in many ways could become more focused and better overall. Absolutely. Well, the next one comes from the newly installed first lady, Jill Biden. She did an interview with Kelly Clarkson about love and divorce on the Today Show. First, I couldn't figure out why she was talking to Kelly Clarkson, but I guess Kelly Clarkson's <laughs> on the Today Show now. I, I didn't get the memo. But why don't we, Evan, if you'll entertain, we'll listen to a little bit of the audio here. And if you can take one day at a time and things will get better... Candid and comforting words from First Lady Joe Biden, speaking with Kelly Clarkson about a topic that's personal for both, divorce. I look back on it now and I think, you know, if I hadn't gotten divorced, I never would have met Joe. I wouldn't have yeah. the beautiful family I have now. Yeah. So I really think things happen for the best. Dr. Biden is known for her strong partnership with her husband, now President Joe Biden. But their marriage isn't her first. 
In her conversation with Clarkson, Dr. Biden spoke about her split in the 70s from her first husband, Bill Stevenson, and offered encouragement to the pop star who's in the middle of her own divorce. I want to tell you, Kelly, I mean, this is what I would say to you if I were your mother. Yeah. You know, my mother always said to me, things are going to look better tomorrow. Clarkson filed for divorce last summer. So, in case you missed it, to be clear, this is a reporting by the Today Show about something that happened on the Kelly Clarkson show, just to be clear. But pretty interesting. Hey, good for Kelly Clarkson getting the interview with the First Lady. And and pretty pretty cool moment there, I thought, would, to her to be able to give advice to Kelly Clarkson, who we've talked about before on the podcast. What did you think, Evan? David, you're 100% spot on. It, it was a cool moment, it, but it was more than that. It was powerful. It was incredible words and such you know, great nuggets of wisdom by the First Lady, Dr. Jill Biden, as she talks to Kelly Clarkson about love after divorce. And she gives her such real, candid, honest advice from someone who's been there and someone who's gone through the process and the experience. And they talk about how to heal after a divorce, and the light at the end of the tunnel. Such strong and such incredible, powerful words and advice offered by the First Lady, Dr. Jill Biden. And the First Lady says something so powerful. She says, you know, I look back on it now and think, you know, if I hadn't gotten divorced, I never would have met Joe. I wouldn't have the beautiful family I have now. And to me, wow. I hope this resonates with so many people who are listening to the Shine On podcast and people who are going through a divorce. Look, Kelly Clarkson's a celebrity, and she's going through a divorce. And just like your divorce, her divorce is hard. It's challenging. Just like so many of my clients as a divorce attorney and people out there who are trying to figure out how to get through the process, how to wake up the next day and be without the person that you said I do, and you married, and you fell in love with, and celebrity or not, you are not alone as you go through the divorce process. And look, David, as we've talked about before with the great guests we've had on the Shine Up podcast, it's so hard to believe that there's a light at the end of the road. It's hard to believe that happiness can exist after divorce, and that you can find love again. And it's so hard to see it when you're in it. But as Dr. Jill Biden said, as the first lady said, it happens. It exists. And if you stick through and you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, it can happen for you too. Yeah, I think a lot of people, when they get divorced, they immediately think they're stigmatized for life, that they're a failure. And really, it, it is. it helps to hear someone who's been there before. I know, Evan, that when clients come to you, you come with the benefit of years and years of of helping people that you've helped through to the other side. So you, I imagine, can tell them, hey, this is normal, right? Like, it, and this does happen and it's more common than you know. And, you know, you're not stained for life, right? David, and I've had clients, you know, after I work with clients who are going through divorce, I've had former clients reach out two years later, five years later, send me holiday cards, pick mm -hmm. up the phone, reach out, send me an email about their new life, their wonderful life, their new partnership, their new marriage, you know, the relationship that their kids have you know, with kids from a prior marriage. And when I hear that as a divorce attorney, there is absolutely nothing that makes me happier than to hear that. Because when I tell clients going through a divorce, you're going to be okay. The second act, the second chapter, the next stage and phase of your life, you'll get through it and you'll be in a happier place. It's so hard for people, understandably so, to appreciate that. 
to see it in the moment. But when you get through it and you can see it and live it and experience it, I'll tell you, it's an absolutely beautiful and wonderful thing. I t- great point, Evan. I, I once told a friend of mine, revealed to him for the first time that I w- either was getting divorced or was just recently divorced. And he said, oh, that's interesting. He took out a photo and he showed me it was a photo of his grandchildren, but there are also a lot of adults in the, fo- in the photo. It turns out these kids had eight grandparents because both both the marriage on each side had ended. And yet the photo was so beautiful because everyone was smiling. Everyone was getting along. And for me to see that, I was like, wow, yeah, there's happiness on the other side. Sometimes, of course, you hear from clients that from years back, Evan will say, Evan, I, you did such a great job and I hope you're doing well. And by the way, I'm getting divorced again. Can we talk? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that happens as well. Look, I've done prenups, for people, I've done their divorce, I've done their prenup, divorce, and then prenup again. And this just happened recently. And finally, I, I said to my client, I said, you know, this whole marriage thing, it's not really working <laughs> out. But, uh, you, you know, yeah. I can say that because I had a good relationship. Our featured guest this week on the Shine On podcast is Amy Van Dorn, New York's coolest matchmaker, according to Vogue magazine. She's the founder of the Modern Love Club a New York City-based matchmaking agency, and one of the best in the business and the go-to matchmaker for helping people find love in New York City. She has revolutionized the approach to dating and finding love. She has her pulse on the dating scene in New York City like no one else. She has been featured in New York Magazine, Glamour, Cosmo, Time Out, The New York Post, The New York Daily News, Bustle, Elle Magazine, and the list just goes on and on. We are excited to talk with Amy about dating and finding love in New York City and to talk about what's on everyone's mind today, navigating the world of dating during the pandemic. Amy is nice enough to join us. I appreciate the time. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for that uh, wonderful intro, Evan. Of course. And Amy, I got to tell you, I am absolutely thrilled to have you on as the questions from listeners on the Shine On podcast and also my own clients. As a divorce attorney, I work with people who are looking to start dating and who are single and people are looking to find love during a pandemic. Everybody's wondering, what are the rules of dating during a pandemic? And we're going to get into this and more. But I want to start with asking you how you got into the matchmaking business. And I would imagine there's some story behind the name of your agency, the Modern Love Club, which I think is absolutely terrific and I love. Yeah, so 12 years ago, I started off this matchmaking journey as sort of an art piece because I just wanted to hear people's, you know, life stories. And so people started offering, because I've always connected people, even like in middle school, I would have like singles mixers and I would, you know, try to set people up at the, the mall and my stepmom, you know, according to her, like I had like introduced her to my dad as like a child and match made them. To something at a young age. Yeah, I really just like to, I don't know, like if you see one side of the thing, like I just have to put the thing with it. Like I just every, like I just am obsessed with making things match. And it's not just like, not just people, like it's like things, like visual things have to match and like, you know, everything, like I dyed my hair orange now, like everything's turning orange around me. But I I just, (laughs) I really just want the, the things, I just have to solve the thing where the thing goes. And so 12 years ago, I started interviewing single people and now, you know, like in an average week, I will listen to 50 people for an hour each tell me their life stories. And so now I've interviewed over 10,000 people. And this room behind me is a room of just all of my matchmaking files. 
because it's all very analog. And so it's been sort of like a durational exercise and sort of witnessing people's stories of heartbreak and pain and what they're looking for and trying to, to solve it. And thankfully that this art piece turned into a career and I'm really happy to have found what I'm good at in this world. And it's really nice to be able to help solve, you know, I can't work with every person, but you know, I get to work with 16 people at a time and to make them, you know, feel less alone on this journey of like, you know, making them feel less lonely. So it's really an honor to be able to witness what's going on with the, what I think is the most important thing in the world, you know, people's hearts. I mean, such a great point. And I want to ask you about the name, Modern Love Club. Where, where mm. does it come from? There's a, a David Bowie. I, I like David Bowie a lot. And so there's a, a song, Modern Love. <laughs> I think it's absolutely fantastic. And <laughs> I think it's great. And Amy, you've been called by Vogue magazine as New York City's coolest matchmaker, which in a city like New York, it's no easy feat to stand out. How have you done it? And what's been your approach? Wow, what an interesting question. I don't think of myself as, because I'm myself, I can't think of myself as cool or uncool. <laughs> I, you know, I, I just have always kind of done whatever I want all the time. And I think that when you have that relationship to yourself, where you're not trying to fit into any mold or, you know, I, I think that whenever you kind of stand in who you are authentically, other people that are also value that attribute will kind of come to you. So I've been my, my brand kind of self-selects people that are, you know, interesting or doing cool stuff or, you know, making nice art or doing cool stuff in the world. I don't know. It also helped that, you know, for many years I was doing my matchmaking in an art gallery in the East Village. And so people that were coming in to look at the art were like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, actually, this is a matchmaking art gallery. And so just, yeah, it was just, there was a scene around the, the Modern Love Club for, for many years. And Amy, that's brilliant. And I want to ask you, what's it like for people who are single and living in a city like New York, who are struggling to find love, all the hustle and bustle in New York City, when people try to navigate the world of dating on their own? How does someone navigate it and figure it out? You know, I was very concerned two years ago, I was having like an existential kind of breakdown. And there's, you know, because I sit and I'm hearing, you know, hours and hours of heartbreak every week. And there was two years ago, I was starting to think that like, maybe like in this time period, people were just collectively not going to get it together. They weren't going to connect. They're going to keep going on more and more Tinder dates and the genders, the sexes were not connecting on things and they're, you know, communicating in different ways. And I thought like, this is a true love crisis and like everyone's just going to be alone in their apartments with you know, their cell phones and just keep trying to date the next person, but not actually like settling down and like falling in love. And maybe love was maybe like traditional love was like going to, was on the way out. And like, we were just going to, you know, be stuck in this like, like hellish cycle of just the next person over and over again. And, and I, I, got, I got very depressed and very concerned. And then something kind of crazy happened, which was this pandemic. And it took a year of people being forced to be alone, not knowing how to date and going through their issues. And they're, the people are coming out of the woodwork and they're like, actually, you know what? Like having a partner that I have a heart and mind connection with that I want to invest for the rest of my life is actually really important because they really figured out like without all the distraction of like, oh, you know, I can go out every night. I can meet a new girl. I can, you know, do this, that or the other. When they got real with themselves and they sat with themselves for this last year and they did that, like, personal work, they're like, actually, no, life is better with, with a partner, with a real connection. And so it's actually the pandemic has 
been sort of a blessing for people wanting relationships because a lot of the men that were not wanting relationships are, are coming back out and being like, okay. And my clients are matching so much faster. So in the past, like maybe I wouldn't, the first match that I would have for a client, I wouldn't send them the best one. I would send them a person that they would get along with and kind of get them back into dating. But now people like whoever I'm sending them first, they're just like being like, all right, thanks, Amy. And then like, I won't hear from them. Like they're really, they're just like, people are taking their person and they're like, okay, cool. Thanks. And I'm like, wait, no, like, don't you want to do a little bit more dating? Like you just gotta, <laughs> you, just, you just started dating. Like, don't you want to go on a second date with someone? And they're like, you know, everyone's just, you know, bonding much quicker because they're, you know, it is so risky to keep meeting new people. I don't want to ask you, I mean, are people looking for a deeper connection because of the pandemic or people, you know, has this been a time of self-reflection for so many and has sort of changed some of the minds, the mindset, you know, for people and how they approach the dating world? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, everyone's being so much more considerate. They're having serious and difficult conversations, like in the same way that you would have around, you know, uh, sex or STDs, people are having these conversations like, well, who, you know, who are you also seeing? Or like, what's your consent level? Like, you know, people are using words like consent or like they're checking in with like how comfortable a person is. And I think it's really remarkable. I mean, I think it's, I'm a little bit worried because I'm seeing with my clients, there is an upswing in like social anxiety. So when they do go to meet a person after doing their Zoom dates, there's a lot more pressure and they kind of are psyching themselves out. And so that first, when you start to redate after like, you know, a pandemic, a year of pandemic, it is challenging and scary, but the, but everyone's scared. Nobody's like socially like at their best right now. Like there, it is going to be bumpy, but yeah, no, everyone, it's crazy. It really is because people are like, they're, by the time that we're able to really actually engage with each other in, in the physical world, and people are ready. You know, we thought this was going to be a couple of weeks and it, it's been a year. And so they want the second that they can really start getting out there and dating, you know, in a, like I went on a date the other day at 8 a.m. for coffee in the middle of like a snowstorm, right? Like I had my <laughs> mask on, my winter coat, so you can only see the eyes and it's 8 a.m. I'm like not fully awake. And I have to say, it was kind of unpleasant. It was kind of unpleasant standing outside, like shivering and holding my coffee cup and trying to figure out if I had like, you know, I very much look forward to having a glass of wine at nighttime inside with handsome men again. I think it's uh, going to be great. You know, absolutely. And Amy, I want to ask you the virtual dates, the socially distant dates, but going back to Zooms and, you know, people having drinks, you know, in a virtual world, I would think that there's some advantages to a first date on Zoom. You can develop a deeper connection. You can get to know someone. Do you see the virtual dating scene continuing in some respects as we get on the other side of this pandemic? Yeah, I certainly hope so. I I think that the Zoom dating, if you're thoughtful with the medium, right? Like you you have to set up your Zoom room and you have to put it on a thing and make your movie set and make sure that it's lit well. And, you know, you have to, you do still have to set the scene. Like you can't be lazy with it. You have to, yeah, you have to make it nice. But I think there's really great benefits to, to Zoom dating. One, you can date people that you have more things in common with, not just like based on like where they, like, do they live close to you? You know, like some of my favorite matches this year, they would have never you know, like one of my male clients got together with this girl in Austin. He would have never been open to dating someone in Austin, but like, I was like, that's your match, you know, but because everyone is dating virtually anyways, it didn't matter. But I think it's wonderful to not have to figure out 
physicality before you've connected from a heart and mind place, right? Like it's forcing us to get to know each other before like, you know, like in the past people were like getting a little drunk and then like hooking up and then, you know, not talking to each other again. And so we're actually bonding before hooking up. And so I think it's, yeah, we're forced to get to know each other. I think it's wonderful. Absolutely. Amy, you mentioned, you know, the geographical reach of dating, right? You have a client and and she could meet someone who lives in Austin, Texas. And I, I would also think that as more people are working from home, from inside their apartments, and people don't necessarily need to live right where they they work, that's also going to change the dating world as well. Yes. Yeah. I think, so my prediction for whenever, you know, everyone has their vaccinations and stuff because they don't have to work in a physical location. I think a lot of people are going to be living in a lot of different places. And so there's no longer going to be the, like, I'm a New Yorker. I have to date another New Yorker kind of mentality. It's I can exist anywhere. And, and because people have been so starved for traveling, they're going to be told like, you know, like, yeah, you're in California. Like, I'll come meet up with you. Like, you know, we'll set up our little digital nomad situation and like, let's go, <laughs> adventure. Let's go to the beach in Mexico. Yeah. Like the, I, I think that people are going to be physically, we, we learned how to digitally exist. And now there's a certain freedom that's going to come with that, which is opening up love to, you know, like if you're in, you know, Idaho or something, like you don't have to just date people in Idaho. You can find the great love of your life in London or, you know, like you can really, find amazing matches and it's not just based on like who's close by. No, and that's, and that's an absolutely fantastic thing. And I want to go back to something you mentioned about setting up the scene in your apartment, right? I have a client I represent, she's going through a divorce and short marriage, mid thirties. She works in finance at a hedge fund. And when the pandemic hit, she didn't want to miss a beat when it came to dating. And she said, Evan, I'm going to hire a wardrobe consultant. I'm going to decorate my apartment. I'm going to hire a lighting consultant. And she went all out. Have you seen that from your clients? Have you seen people look to set up their home situations because of the way dating has evolved due to the pandemic? Yeah. I mean, your house now is your, you know, you can't impress a person by taking them to a cool restaurant. And then, you know, like your house is your it's your set, it's your personal brand. And it's, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, people are going to immediately see like, oh, do you make your bed? Do you think about lighting? Do you have like a nice candle? And you can immediately visualize when you're dating virtually being in that person's space because you're already there. And so I think it's very clever of her to be thoughtful about the lighting in her wardrobe because just because it is virtual, it doesn't mean that it's not, it's, it, we're still real, you know, and you can still, so I, I think it's, I think it's brilliant that she uh, is putting that kind of consideration into things. And I think people, as they get more used to Zoom dating, are going to, the ones that are excelling are the ones that are being really strategic with it. You know, like at the beginning, like some of my male clients, they wouldn't change their shirt. They're like, you know, like there'd be like food stains on there. (laughs) You walk them around, you could see like their dishes in the back and, you know, they very quickly learned like that doesn't work. I mean, I think that's one of the things that didn't work in person. It also is not going to work. Yeah, exactly. There's definitely, you know, it's not just because you're doing Zoom, it doesn't, it's not, it shouldn't be lazy. You should put the, you should still be putting effort into it because if you're showing that you can put effort into having a thoughtful Zoom experience, then it's showing that you could be a, a thoughtful partner. And that's what we're kind of, as women, like, that's what we're looking to know. Like, oh, like, is he going to have a shit together? Like, if, if a guy doesn't have like a living plant in his house, like, that's not a good, I don't want to share my life with that person. Like, I, no, I need, it's a warning sign. You yeah. need a plant in the house. Yeah, you, you just need just one. Just uh, one. You're not yeah. asking for much, just one, not five. But you're right. You can now get an inside look into someone's apartment 
to see before you're going to get intimate, hook up with someone, you know, develop that physical connection. Is this someone I really want to meet in person? Exactly. You know, and it's funny because a lot of my male clients are like, I, I go into their apartments uh, and I'll see like how their stuff is. And they're like, oh, you know, I, you know, I didn't buy any art and the walls are bare and there's no plant. And I didn't get my outfits together because when I meet the woman I'm supposed to be with, then, you know, I'll just let her do that. And I was like, nah, you gotta do, <laughs> if you want to meet the woman, you got to do that before. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. And Amy, I want to ask you for the people who you work with, who are looking to date in person, not over Zoom, they have Zoom fatigue, or they're just not comfortable interacting with someone on Zoom. What are the rules right now in 2021 for in-person dating? Are people exchanging COVID tests? Are, you know, what, what are people looking, you know, to require of the person that, you know, he or she's going to meet in person? You know, it's been challenging for me to be like, these are the rules because everyone has different comfort levels and I don't want to put my 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 ethics onto somebody else and also I think you could imagine like like from like a, a law perspective like if I'm like yeah it's cool go meet them and then like they get COVID like that's course, like sure. I'm I'm I can tell you what I've seen people doing so after they do a couple of zoom dates one couple was really cute they went to the testing place together to get their test so their first date was getting their COVID test which I thought was really sweet uh that is sweet that is cute look if you can make it you know going to get a COVID test together you you know you can survive you know what's ahead this like postmodern, like the now the new cute thing to do is get your COVID test or you know soon like get your your vaccines together and so there's that thing there's been a lot of there and it was crazy because one of my clients she was signing in January and I was like don't you want to wait till March or April when it's less cold since you're going to be dating outside and she's like no Amy I invested in a very expensive heated blanket. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think, I think but, and it like, okay, you, so you have the blanket, but like, yeah. So is everyone just going to buy expensive blankets and like, you know, wear those outside, but people have been making it work there. They know what, like, it's just love doesn't stop and it, it's not stopping for anyone. And so they're just getting very creative. They're going to the park They're It's, it, it has been a lot of walks. Lots and lots of walks. And Amy, you're right. Love doesn't stop. The search for love, that doesn't stop either. And, and I think as, as we're now a year into the pandemic, I think people are looking for creative ways to date, you know, creative ways to combine virtual dating, in-person dating, looking to do it in a safe and responsible way. But I, I'm hearing from my own clients that people are looking for a more meaningful connection. And not everybody, but a lot of people are looking for a more meaningful connection than ever before. And the virtual dating world has allowed people to get to know someone on a first date over Zoom as, you know, as opposed to necessarily going on a bad first date and then being, you know, turned off after you met someone on, let's say, Tinder. And obviously people have their own frustrations with the dating app world. But are you seeing people as spring and summer or on the horizon, even more now, are people looking to get back out there as opposed to a few months ago? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so in my 12 year, I thought that at the beginning of the pandemic, I was going to have to do a different job. I was like, no one's like, we can't meet each other. My job is to facilitate. I meet people in person and then I set them up to meet people in per- person. And so I, th- I thought I was it for matchmaking. And so I was like, what am I going to do? Like, like, I don't, I, I only have this like one skill set. I'm like very good at this one thing. 
And, and so I went through like a week period where it was like the beginning where no one knew what was going to happen, where it was just like radio silent. And then it's probably, I would say that like this week has been busier that it's been my busiest week by probably 10 than all of my years combined. And what do you attribute like, that like, to? It's, like the, it's a huge spike. And like match.com, which is like a website that is kind of out of date. It's, you know, people had mostly switched over to, you know, Bumble and Hinge and all this. Match had their busiest week ever. Like all of their stocks are going up and people are signing up in Match. Like it's an exit. Like it's a mat. It's a huge trend. It's the craziest time for everyone is having the same thought all at once. It's the last stretch of winter. We've been alone. It's like, it's time. It, like people are going, to, it's, it's going to be crazy. People, when, whenever it's springtime and the people are getting their vaccinations, people are going to be like making out on the, it's going to be like the summer of love all over again. I think. <laughs> you know, it's going to be a good time to walk in uh, Central Park and see what's going on. But yeah. look, the love, the marriage industries, I, you know, in many ways they're recession proof because people, you know, are always going to search for love, always going to want to find love. I'm sure it probably took a few months for people to figure out how to do it in a pandemic, but you're right. You know, as we record this episode, end of February, as we head into March and then summer, people have that itch to get back out there, to start dating, to really find someone that they want to be in a serious relationship with. And they, and we also got more time. And so people in the past, they were, they had busied up their life with all these extra things. Like, Oh, on Tuesdays, I go to this thing on Wednesdays is Pilates and Thursday, you know, but all of a sudden, we were just in our houses and so we had plenty of time and so people had time to get to know each other and you still have you know and so this idea of like oh god it's a pandemic there's nothing to be done like you know like I myself am single and I'm like I'm, I'm 35 right like in in the world of matchmaking I'm considered you know positively geriatric at the beginning of the pandemic I'm like wait I for the first time in my life I'm single I'm at this age that becomes like matchmakers start like thinking like oh like oh, Amy's a lost cause she's 35 she's gonna die <laughs> No, and you mentioned, you know, obviously the challenges, you know, for clients and, and for you, I mean, did it take some time to adapt to this new world of dating? Yeah. I mean, I myself, I was like an old timer matchmaker. Like I have like pieces of paper and pins. Like I didn't use a computer. I made an entire existence over not having to use computers. Like my assistant would do all my emails. Like I wouldn't, I, would, I wouldn't touch a computer. I, you know, I just sat in person on my little couch with my little clipboard and I would just do this for 50 hours a week. And I would, you know, and then I would like, I would call, I call my clients after their dates. I don't text them. I'm like, Hey, how's it going? And like, I'm sure as a matchmaker in, in, like, in the business, you could have never all, have all had to yeah. learn together. Right. Like I was like, I had to learn how to like get into zoom. And I'm sure you could have never predicted that this would have been in many ways, dates would be taking place over zoom and socially distant. And we would be living in a virtual world. I mean, I can't imagine this is something that you or anyone else in your business could have ever contemplated. No. And, you know, we all talk, we have message boards and there's a huge matchmaking community and we're all connected and we matchmake our clients with each other's clients. And we all thought that this was going to be it at the beginning. And then it turned out that it, everyone got busier and everyone's jobs, the matching got easier and people are, are connecting more because once you really stare at loneliness in the way that the pandemic has brought up, you really do value connection and everyone's kind of having that awakening all at once. And Amy, you mentioned loneliness and I want to ask you about dating apps and online dating as opposed to working directly with a matchmaker such as yourself. Why do people get so frustrated at times and feel so lost in the dating app 
community. Some people don't know, you know, the true intentions of someone. And why do people feel so out of place at times in the online dating world? It's hard because you're date like you're dating by yourself. So there's no feedback, right? So if, if you don't hear from someone again, you don't know, like, did you do something wrong or just are people just assholes? There's no accountability. And you don't know, like, if you're not getting responses, are you dating like outside of like what you can kind of get? Like, like if everyone, like if a guy is like trying to date, you know, the, the most beautiful woman in the room that everyone's trying to date, like he's not going to be successful if he's not able to kind of bring that. And so people aren't able to gauge, like everyone's going for the same person. And so everyone else is getting ignored. But if you were just dating like an actual person that would be a match for you, like on your level, then you could get that. And so people are kind of like reaching outside of what they can actually feasibly pull off. And so there's no feedback and there's no information. There's no accountability. There's no community. They're not, these aren't people like, you know, whenever you're matchmaking, like everyone comes to me through a friend, through a friend of a friend, like someone went to someone's wedding. They're like, how did you meet? It was through Amy. And there's someone that's vouching for someone and, you know, there are people are more, they're just, it's, it's more thoughtful. I think it is easier to treat people poorly or to ghost or to not show up when you have no connection to them ahead of time. And Amy, you mentioned, you know, people get referred or introduced to you through past clients, current clients, word of mouth. I would think as a matchmaker and someone who has, you know, been involved in the New York City dating scene for, you know, so long and has set up, you know, endless, you know, amounts of, you know, couples and relationships. I would think it gives you such great pleasure when, you know, someone you set up has, you know, found happiness, found love and has found someone to spend the rest of their life uh, together. It's the best. It's honestly the best feeling in the world. I wish that everyone just go out and match make their friends because there's nothing more beautiful than waking up in the morning. Like this morning I woke up and someone that was, you know, I remember their search. They thought that they weren't going to meet anyone and they thought they weren't going to get an opportunity to have a child with someone that they love. And they sent me pictures of a little baby that they just had. Uh, there's nothing great. Like you're like, they, you know what, like these people, and it's crazy. This, Evan, you're not going to believe me, but I don't have any divorces. And I was going to ask you because I I, divorces. And that, that, that's amazing to me. And again, because I, I work with so many people, it's all I do, who are going through a divorce and people who are either in the middle of a divorce process or they're newly single, trying to navigate post-divorce life. And one of the questions I get from my clients is, I want to date again. I want to find love. I want to be out there. And I want to ask you, what advice would you give to someone who is getting out of a divorce, seeking to find love? What would you recommend? Because it could be scary for people. Yeah. I mean, most, so my clients, most of them, and I'm actually one of the few matchmakers that works with people that are in the process of getting divorced. Like, I don't think that you have to wait for the paperwork to sign because it could, that could take a long time. And I find that some of the easiest people to matchmake are people that are, that have been married and are going through a divorce because they know how to be married, you know? And so people like a lot of my clients that have been single for a very long time are actually harder to match than someone who's coming recently out of a divorce. So my favorite clients are men that are recently going through um, a divorce. And as long as like, you know, they're invested in, like they've done like their personal work and they're not like just trying to immediately replace their wife with someone else. I, I, I find that those clients, I have to be very careful. I can't, I have to make sure, like, I can't just send them the first date has to be the match because oftentimes they will get married again within the year but it's all about like just being kind to yourself and knowing that it's a learning how to date especially if you've been married for a long time it's a totally different 
it's a totally different world and it's okay to, you know, at first it's going to be a little bit awkward and, you know, you're going to have lots of different emotions and you're going to, you know, the online dating thing's going to be confusing and, and the dating protocols and, you know, the way that we negotiate gender and sex and feminism and all these things, it's a, it's a different landscape. And so, you know, like what's great is, I mean, not everyone can afford a matchmaker, but if you have a matchmaker, you have a little buddy that's on your side you know, kind of coaching you through it. But if you can't do that, just be kind with yourself and, and try and some things will fail. And, and that's okay, because it's, it's worth it. It's worth it to try and, and and fail. Because at the end of that journey, you could find happiness with some, someone that's going to, you know, really vastly improve your life. And we, we can get it, we can get it something better. Amy, that's absolutely fantastic. And I know everyone's going to ask me following, you know, the release of this podcast, you know, you've talked about how clients get referred to you, how clients can work with you. I know you work with only a select handpicked, you know, clients at a time. How does someone make it into Amy's famous, you know, Rolodex and and get in touch with you? Well, so anyone can be in my Rolodex, right? The reason why I've been so successful as a matchmaker is because I have so many people to choose for my clients, right? So I have a huge volume of people. And so anyone can, you know, go onto my website, modernloveclub.com and fill out the questionnaire. Or anyone can book a, a one hour session with me. I'm, you know, I'm super, you know, trying to work in a really clear and ethical way. And so I, if I don't think I'm going to be helpful with someone, I'm not going to take on as a client. But, you know, I, the way I pick who I work with is people that I like and that inspire me that are open to improving themselves and changing. And so coachability is coachability and openness are kind of what are the number one things that I'm screening for in a possible collaboration with someone. And Amy, as we wind down here on the Shine Up podcast, we're going to do something here that we haven't done before. And I'm going to read two questions that have come in to the Shine Up podcast by email from listeners. And as a reminder to everyone out there, the email address is shineonpodcast at gmail.com. And the questions on dating, not only from my own clients as a divorce attorney, but from people who listen to the podcast, people are searching for love. They want to know the protocols, how to navigate dating in a pandemic, people are anxious, people want to get back out there and find love again. So let's tackle two of those questions. And the first is, Erin from Williamsburg, Brooklyn. I'm 29 and a lawyer. I was married just for about a year to my college boyfriend, and then I got divorced. I just got it wrong. I married the wrong guy. I work a lot of hours. Meeting the right person has been hard for me. I've tried dating apps. Those haven't worked. I've been set up by friends. That hasn't worked either. Nobody seems to get what I'm looking for. Then the pandemic hit. That made it even harder. I'm ready to get back out there and start dating again. How can I navigate this? So the most important thing to remember is that the only thing that we can control is our approach to things and our attitude. And so if you believe, if the narrative that you're propagating is no one's getting me, it's not possible, you know, and now the pandemic has made it even harder. Well, that's going to be what's coming up. There's probably a series of things that you could do. Maybe there's something wrong with what your search is. Maybe your search is overly superficial. Maybe you're being too picky. Maybe you're filling up your life with work as a defense mechanism. You know, there. whenever someone's like saying it's not possible, I think there's something else at play. And so I encourage her in a loving way to kind of look at, well, is, are my expectations too picky? And then the other thing that is making dating really hard, especially for women in New York, is that there's more women than men. 
And so it's like, we're kind of at a statistical disadvantage. Like, you know, it's like 10 women to like six guys and of the six guys, maybe less of them are more serious or or, or quality. And so it's an uneven playing field. And so I highly encourage if you feel like the area where you're living at is not turning up matches to open up the search, you know, check out like, what's the scene like in Chicago? What's the scene like, you know, because in New York city, it's a little bit unbalanced, the male to the female thing. But I think that she's probably, there's probably something that she's doing to perpetrate. Maybe there's some healing that needs to happen that she hasn't processed. And that's, you know, there's a block there and it figuring instead of blaming, like it's this, that, or the other, like I would encourage her to figure out what she could do better to, to more likely attract someone that she's interested in. Amy, that's great advice. And before we get to the second question, I want to pick up on something you said. I know you work with both women and men. But historically, the matchmaking business, the matchmaking industry, many matchmakers predominantly only worked with men. Your approach is different. Yeah, it was crazy. When I started matchmaking, I, there was no matchmakers that would take women on as clients. And so the old model was much older men that were very wealthy dating like Eastern European, like 20 year old women, you know, it was, it was like a casting is like you're old and rich and they're young and pretty. And so that was the entire matchmaking scene when I came on and I was like, wait, what about like matching for like, what if, what if like we can make matchmaking cool? Like, like what if someone just like, is like, wants a more curated experience. And so, yeah, it, it was crazy that I was the first person to have a dating agency around here that gave women agency with their dating. It was crazy. And it's still that way. It's, it's still very much the matchmaking world very much is, is mostly, you know, men, paying the matchmakers and then the matchmakers casting kind of women to go out with them. It's very strange. Interesting. Absolutely fascinating stuff. And Amy, the second question is from Marin from Mott Street in New York City, one of my favorite areas in New York. Marin says, I've been on a few Zoom dates with the same guy. He's the only person I'm dating virtually. I'm ready to meet in person and I feel it's safe to do so. How do you bring that up and have the conversation what are the rules he hasn't asked to meet in person or mentioned it? You know, and I'm seeing that like a lot of men are not making the first move lately and that's okay. I think they're trying to be considerate. I think there's going to be some vulnerability being like, you know, I've never dated in a pandemic, but you know, I would be interested in seeing like what happens next. What are, what is your comfort level? How can we make this, how can we both negotiate what will, you know, make both of us happy? Because you don't want to get into this pattern of just dating on Zoom forever, right? Like, I don't want to be a woman inside of a, a computer screen. I want to be a real life person that's, you know, touching and meeting someone. And so, yeah, just being like, hey, I've never done this before. What, what's your feelings on meeting in person? And, you know, like, how can we do this together? Like, I'm not going to, there's no right way to do it. I just ask. It's a great answer. And Amy, I got to tell you, this was absolutely a blast. It was a lot of fun. Amy Van Doren, the best in the business, the founder of the Modern Love Club, the coolest matchmaker in New York City. Amy, how can people get in touch with you and reach out? Sure, yeah. I got a website, modernloveclub.com. You just go right over there and I'm, I'm right there. You can, I'm very reachable. <laughs> and Amy, I, thank I love you. to reach out to you. I want, because the more people that reach out, the better matches I can make. And we can just, like, you know, we can just make beautiful couples. Uh, and it's, let's just keep making more love happen. There we go. And Amy, thank you for coming on the Shine On Podcast. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, it's so fun, Evan. Thank you. Dave, another great show on the Shine Up Podcast, episode eight in the books. And this was an absolute blast. 
being single, dating during the pandemic, the rules, how to navigate it. We got all the answers from expert matchmaker, the best in the business, Amy Van Dorn, and she was incredible. She was excellent. Thank you for listening to the Shine On podcast, to the listeners on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to your podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. Producer, David Yaz, making it happen behind the scenes. You can follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse, and email at shineonpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Evan Shine, and we'll talk to you again real soon.